Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Turn up your volume, because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast, with Tony Maradero. 55 seconds left in the penalty, a minute and 27 seconds left in regulation time. Boston 4, Montreal 3, Lafleur coming out rather gingerly on the right side. He gives it into Lemaire, back to Lafleur. The sickest Montreal Canadiens podcast. <laughs> there is a bomb. Sports entertainment like no other. Rejoint, on lui fait perdre la rondelle une passe devant. Et c'est la victoire des Canadiens. You found the dogs, John. You found the dogs. He found the dogs. And all together, they worked the young team to the top. And now, a 24th Stanley Cup banner will hang from the rafters of the famous forum in Montreal. The Canadians win the Stanley Cup. Brought to you by Energy Transportation Group. Driven to be different. 8.6 beer. Intense by nature. And Lacage. If the last time you went to Lacage was when the Habs won the cup, it's time you went back to Lacage. It's going to be sick. Marinero on this Monday, January 23rd. Happy 84th birthday to my father. Huh? 84. Where do I sign? I'm 50. I'll sign right away. Uh, Dad wishing you many, many more. Uh, he hasn't had it easy. Uh, but he's a warrior, let me tell you. Uh, pretty much everything you can have, he's had, and he just keeps on, um, you know, plowing through. So a lot of admiration for his fight and uh, happy that he's uh, still with us. Marinero, live on this sick podcast, live on YouTube, live on Facebook, live on Twitter. And Eric Engels is a contributor every Monday night. and He's going to join us in just a couple of minutes. And the podcast, of course, is brought to you in part by Energy Transportation Group. Mike Cinquino, Sean Gerard, my boys, an asset-based 3PL provider, offering outstanding service at incredible, incredible rates, serving all of North America, Energy Transportation Group. They offer full-service logistics support. And one of our proud sponsors to present to you, of course, the SICK Podcast once again. And also, 8.6 Beer is another. Intense by nature. The cans come in different colors. This one is the white. They have the blue. They have the red. And they have the black, all different um, percentages of alcohol. The white is the India Pale Lager. And it comes in at 7% alcohol. And the beer for those who follow their instinct and live their passions in order to make their mark. And the Clash, uh, Lacage, pardon me. If the last time you went to Lacage was when the Habs won the Cup, 
It's time you go back to the cash. The menu will surprise you. Uh, guess when was the last time I went to La Cash? Earlier this evening. Guess when was the last time I went to La Cash before that? Yesterday. Guess was the last time I went to La Cash before that? Saturday. So make it three times in a, three nights in a row that I actually visited La Cage. And uh, I, I think it's actually uh, pretty cool to bring up because, you know, I'm thinking about it and I, I don't uh, I don't remember when was the last time I went to the same restaurant three nights in a row. And so um, Saturday night, uh, my buddy invited me to the uh, to watch the Habs game at the Bell Center. And so uh, I, I gladly accepted. And he said, we go to the cash before the game at the at the Bell Center. And I said, yeah, of course, let's go. So we went to the cash. And uh, the atmosphere, by the way, was was pretty fantastic. Uh, because, of course, people were watching the football game and getting ready to watch the Habs game. And then yesterday, I, I went with uh, 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 one of my boys and, um, and uh, some friends. And uh, we went to the one in LaSalle. And then earlier this evening, let me sneeze. I hate it when that happens, uh, but at least I had the mute button this time. Earlier this evening, I went with, um, you know, I, I don't know if she wants me to make this public, so I'm not going to say her name, but she is, um, she is a, uh, she's a listener. She's a viewer. And uh, she reached out to me and said, uh, you know, I'd love to catch up with you and I'd love to go to the cash and uh, I'd love to catch. No, I'd love to catch up with you. So I said, sure. Okay, no problem. Let's uh, where are you going to be. And she said, let's, so let's go to the cash. And we went to the cash and and that was that. So uh, it's good. I always like meeting people that support the show. Uh, it's always pretty cool. Uh, all right. Without further ado, why don't I bring in Eric Engels from Sportsnet and Sportsnet.ca. Eric, what's going on? Not much. I can feel the energy. You got the energy today. I have the energy today. 100% I have the energy. And uh, yeah, no, no. You, I, have, I, a, you I, have some sliders for dinner or something? Is it... uh, No. I, well, I, 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 so I had a, actually, I had a, a Blitz burger for supper. Blitz burger, baby. I had a Blitz burger. And, that would have uh, put me to sleep. But for you, it's like, it's, it's like a power bar or something. Yeah. No, I had a Blitz burger followed by a poutine. Oh, baby. Yeah. Uh, today was uh, a cheat day, and uh, yesterday was a cheat day, and the day before was a cheat day, and I better stop having cheat days. <laughs> and uh, by the way, I just finished two cannolis, and I had three Reese's Pieces this morning. Basically, I'm on the verge of dying any minute now. All right. Okay. I better stop that. All right. So now um, let's – the Bruins are in town tomorrow. I can't wait. You know, I, I love watching the Canadians and the Bruins. The rivalry isn't quite what it used to be, obviously. I, I thought it was, like, really, really strong, especially – it was especially strong in the 70s. Uh, but I started watching hockey with more regularity, of course, in the 80s in my teenage years, and it was very, very strong in the 80s as well. I, I hated, like, uh, 87 onward because that's when the Bruins started to beat the Canadians, and they hadn't beaten them, I think, in, like, 47 years or something like that before then. Uh, but it's still special when the Canadians play the Bruins. And it's special when the Canadians play the Leafs as well. And I know that anything can happen in a hockey game, but, you know, uh, let me raise my hand and say that I did not expect the Montreal Canadiens with their injuries to beat the Toronto Maple Leafs a couple of days ago at the Bell Center. Yeah, I, I'd raise it right alongside yours, except for the fact that they've done pretty well against the Leafs over the last number of times that the Leafs have visited the Bell Center. And, you know, there were points in that game where if the Leafs turned it up, they basically had their way with the Canadians, but... You know, the fact that they can't maintain it 
for 60 minutes, you know, says a lot about where they've come in their process. And I, you know, it's funny. I was talking with our, our buddy, Luke Fox, who works at sports that was in for the game. And yeah. After the game, I said, you know, well, like, what do you think? And he said, well, you know, like that was one of the worst second periods they played or one of the worst periods of hockey in the second that they played all season long. And, but at the end of the day, it just doesn't matter. Like none of this stuff matters. And I was like, we're both covering seasons where the results ultimately don't matter because for the Leafs, it's all about what happens in the playoffs. And for the yeah. Canadians, it's all about what happens with development. And it's a strange thing to be covering a season as a writer where the results really kind of are inconsequential or secondary to something else. So it, it, it is a funny thing. It was a funny thing to me to hear Luke say that because it, it doesn't matter for them mm -hmm. for a different reason than it does for this team. But I'll tell you what does matter is that the Canadians, and I was talking with Jordan Harris about this today, you know, they zeroed in on a couple of areas of their game that they wanted to build. And you heard Martin St. Louis when they were struggling the most talk about defensive zone and sorting out assignments uh, on the rush coming back and making certain adjustments. And on the first goal, Toronto scored. They made a mistake there, and, and Sam Montombo let a goal in that, you know, we haven't seen him let those types of goals in recently. Mm -hmm. But you look at the adjustments throughout the game and the way everybody's playing, and Martin St. Louis talks about wanting to build a culture and a style of play that you can plug anybody in, and once, you know, you'll know that you've progressed a certain level, if no matter who you plug in, the style is still there, the brand of hockey is still there, and that's really mm -hmm. what he's trying to build. And he was asked today if they're closer to being a playoff team you know, than they were when they started the season. And he said 100%. He was asked when they'd be a playoff team. And he said, I can't answer. But are we closer today than we were? Yes. And I, I think anybody who's been watching them throughout the season, and especially the way they've rebounded from how they played in December, um, especially with all the injuries they've had, would suggest that they are further along in their process. And that's a credit to the coach, but it's also a credit to the players who are buying into what the coaches are selling. Well, I mean, I would hope so, or else you're doing it wrong, right? Or else you're not progressing, basically. And the Canadians are in a rebuild, and when you're in a rebuild, I mean, you're supposed to progressively get better. You're one, you're two, you're three, and at one point, you're going to make the playoffs, and then at one point, you're going to make the playoffs consistently, and then at one point, you're going to take a step in the playoffs, and then at one point, you're probably going to take a couple of steps, and at one point, you're supposed to be a legitimate contender or actually try to go for that Stanley Cup. That's the way a rebuild that works works yeah but now. it was gonna like it was gonna be a challenge in year one as you would understand tony and also you know that challenge is dramatically bigger when you have 11 players that are regulars out of the lineup mm -hmm. with injuries eight of them forwards and one of them your best goal scorer and arguably your best player moving forward so like mm -hmm. to, to come out the way they did i think it was this might sound strange, but I think Toronto coming into town on Saturday was the best possible thing for the Canadians under the circumstances because that was heavy news they dealt with on Saturday morning. And, you know, when Martin St. Louis said it was accurate what he said, it would be just as important to or even more important to replace Caulfield's enthusiasm as it would his goals because, let's face it, it's going to be impossible to replace his goals. Uh, kid, kid has scored 26 goals and, you know, accounted for essentially – 30% of the even strength offense uh, on himself or contributed to those goals being scored. Like you're not replacing that by committee and you're not replacing it with one player, but you can approach the task with the necessary enthusiasm. And I think Toronto coming into town on a Saturday night with the building bumping meant that they didn't have to search from within to find that energy and they shouldn't have to find it against Boston on Tuesday. And then, you know, Ottawa for, for the next couple of games, it's what happens after that. That's the real big question, but you would agree 
in a year where you expect to see progress, to have that many players out of the lineup and see the type of effort we saw on Saturday is a sign that the culture is starting to get embedded here that Marty St. Louis wants. All right, so speaking of Caulfield, I don't know when was the last time other than this time that the Montreal Canadiens uh, sent out a tweet that had 1.5 million views, but on Saturday they sent one out. Injury update on Cole Caulfield, 1.5 million views Saturday morning at 10.26 a.m., telling us all that Cole Caulfield would be out for the remainder of the season with a shoulder injury that would require surgery. Uh, How surprised were you? Shocked. Had no idea. Had no clue what was going on. But the bigger surprise for me was when I asked the Canadians, you know, how long had he... Uh, like did he just suffer this injury like can is there any clarity on when this happened and the answer that came back was it's been a while that was a red flag for me you know like this is unfortunately becoming a pattern in Montreal and it was understandable when it was Carey Price and Shea Weber and they were playing for a Stanley Cup and they were playing in the back half of their careers and you know I don't think there was a doctor or a trainer that would have been able to pull them off the ice with a uh with one of those big hooks you know like it's the, the, the incentive in a year like this, and I understand, you know, Caulfield's a hockey player. He's a great teammate. He's a kid who, like many people alongside him and many people before him, would play through the paint and clearly did. Um, but at a certain point... You, you tend to play through more pain than usual when you're looking for a contract. Yeah, and and you know what? I get it. Like, it's it's totally understandable. I get it from his end. I get it from Pat Brisson's end. I get it from even the Canadians' end who want to continue to see what he can do. Um, I don't get it from the Canadians' end. Well, we're going to find out. You know, we don't have all the information. You know, I will say, at the end of the day, the right logic prevailed here. You know, ensure that Caulfield will be good enough to go to start next season. Ensure that he will make 100% recovery. But... You know, I spoke to his agent before anybody else did here on this one and said, you know, like, what was there a chance that he would make it worse? And he said, look, you know, if he fell a certain way or or, you know, got twisted around the wrong way and ended up making it. At worse, what time did you speak to his agent? Ex- at what time did you speak to his agent? Exactly. I want to write this down. I want to make sure you're the first one that spoke to him. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I, but it was around 1130 in the morning. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, it was, you know, shortly after we left the Bell Center and the media availabilities. And I wanted to make sure I had some sort of voice of authority on it. And that's with respect to the Canadians. Look, they were upfront about their decision. Yeah. Um, they made it clear that, you know, he's going to be okay and that he'll be ready to go to start the next year. Um, we're going to hear from the GM and from Caulfield at some point on this. And I'm sure their reasoning will be sound as to why he was playing. Like I said, they made the right decision in the end. I don't understand why it wasn't made sooner. Like, I I get it from Caulfield's perspective, but it puts into question this pattern that we've seen with the Canadians' medical staff. Are there there processes, the processes, the right ones? And it's these are fair questions to ask at this point. They are, Eric. The damage that was done to certain players. they, They really are fair because, and I'm sure you'll remember this, but at one point, Brian Jonta was playing through what was a broken foot, which was misdiagnosed at the beginning. Remember that? They basically had said it was a bruise or this or that or whatever, but we found out later that his foot was broken. Anyway, he played, I don't know if he played seven or eight more games on a broken foot, and then anytime you're going to actually bring it up, you're going to have a lot of people say, who the hell do you think you are to question a doctor or question a medical staff, and by all means, I mean, I know the Montreal Canadiens have very, very competent people working for them, but people have to keep this in mind. 
nobody's perfect and people make mistakes every day. I make mistakes every day. You make mistakes every day. Lawyers make mistakes every day. Engineers make mistakes every day. And doctors make mistakes every day. And, you know, the Canadian's medical department is going to be no different. They make mistakes. And, you know, you brought it up. And, you know, there have been a couple of injuries, which seems to me that there have been some complications or in Caulfield's case, look, in Caulfield's case, maybe they're saying, Cole, we think we got to shut you down. And he's saying, I'm playing, I'm good, I'm playing, I'm good. I know my body. I don't know how that works, if the player can still win that discussion. I don't know. I've never been in an NHL locker room or worked for an NHL team. Yeah. So so I don't know that. I think outside of a concussion, you know, a player does have a, lo- a very large say on what they will or will not be able to do. Um, can the team push harder to make sure that the asset is protected? 100%. Ken Hughes admitted as much, you know, when he was asked about this in French at his press conference, which you attended. He was asked by Guillaume Lafrancois about... You know, is there some sort of evaluation that needs to go on? I think there's a thorough evaluation that needs to go on. Ken Hughes said there is one that happens, you know, at the end of every year, like with every other department. But this is something they really have to look at. You know, for a second year in a row, they're way up there in the man games lost. They'll finish, you know, if not at the top right there. Um, you know, you look at what happened with Sean Monahan. It was an important asset to this team, potentially the best one to recoup the best possible future assets uh, come trade deadline. He, he plays on a broken foot. It's uh, an injury that typically takes two to four weeks to heal up. Um, he continues to play, shows up in a walking boot and plays. Um, and Sean Monahan has a history of playing hurt. And, and at the end of the day, like, you know, you've got to intervene. And I expect that that's what happened. I wonder if Sean would have kept playing on this. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, you know, last played i think it was december 6th and it's mm-hmm. january 23rd and he's just getting back on the ice in a non-contact jersey so did he do something else? you know i asked multiple times is it just the foot injury that he's mm-hmm. doing and then the answer was yes but you know to protect the asset do i expect that that that's necessarily the case i i, I don't know you know it's there's reason to be skeptical when you see something that looks like an injury that would heal up you know typically in the two, and if you, if you want to be conservative, six week period, like two, four, two to four is usually what you see mm-hmm. with a broken foot or a broken bone in a foot. Maybe it was a really badly broken foot. I don't know, but all of a sudden it's longer. And and it's the, the, the whether or not it's because of the fact that he continued to play on it, allowing that perception to exist when there is a history with this team of allowing players to play on injuries and making you're, them work. You're right, Eric. There's, there's, right. A lot, there's a lot that doesn't make sense to the point where I heard that some people were notified there's going to be some bad news coming up with Caulfield and his shoulder here in the next couple of days. It's like they knew it was coming, but yet he played anyway. And even at that, the day before in practice, he was up against the boards and he was having fun with some people, but... I don't know. Maybe they just thought that uh, Look, could they have could they have thought that he couldn't damage his shoulder anymore. When I, when I spoke with Pat Brisson, yeah, and this was before Tavias spoke to him. You know, he had said that this was going on for quite a while, and that he had had multiple opinions. He had had all the scans necessary, and that the discussion on whether or not to shut him down was at least a week and a half old. So even if the Canadians weren't aware of the severity 
of the injury and maybe because that's because Cole was just, you know, it hurts a little bit. Like and we've had tests and they're not that conclusive or whatever. Even if that's the case, as of at least a week and a half before he got shut down, they knew the severity of the injury and the Canadians played five games in practice multiple times within that time. So that's, you know, to me, it's like, what are you waiting for? And and to have Pat say to me, and I quote, I was cringing every time he got on the ice a little bit because the idea that he could fall the wrong way and complicate whatever surgery he would need is a real possibility. Like, that's where it starts to become, okay, like, what are we doing here? And I don't really, I really think it does come down to um, the medical staff being able to assess these things and do a better job of convincing management and the players that like, Hey, you know, these are the risks and we may not want to assume any more than we need to, especially with a guy who is so fundamental to the plan moving forward now. And and look, I, you know, although you, you talked about, they wanted to see what Cole's all about. I'm convinced, I'm convinced that, you know, if the Canadians, like I'm convinced that can, if there was any kind of discussion about this, the Canadians would have said immediately shut him down because Cole scoring more goals only gets Cole more money, even though everyone already knows he's going to make a lot of money and it's not going to make much of a difference. Yeah. But if Cole would have scored 55 goals this year, he's going to make more. He would have made more money. I think they're negotiating shot down right now. I think they're negotiating good, good faith. You know, like I think some people yeah. could say, well, you know, now he doesn't get to get to that number. I mean, Cole could argue from his side of it. I was still able to score 26 goals on a bump shoulder. Yeah. Uh, but some people, and they brought this up on social media, are now like, oh, I like Cole, and he's an amazing goal scorer. But I worry about offering an eight-year deal to a guy who's like five, six, a buck 75. Some yeah. people have written that on social media. I'm sure you've seen it, Eric. Yeah, Josh Anderson is what, 6'3", two twenty-five. Like I would say so, yeah. I would say so. I mean, he had the same injury. so Yeah. I don't really buy into that logic and Cole's never, I mean, this is the first thing that Cole has really gone through. Um, and that's, he's played a significant amount of NHL games, including the hardest games to play, which are in the playoffs. I mean, I, I'm not really worried about that. I'm not worried about where the contract goes to them. And I want to pref, I, I, or I shouldn't say preface. I, I just want to like reinforce my point that look, we're going to hear from Cole and we're going to hear from the GM and I'm sure we're going to hear a, a logical explanation as to why this continued as long as it did. Um, you know, I'm not putting these people under fire or anything like that. I just think the idea that Hughes advance of needing, you know, to evaluate these things year after year, like I really yeah. think that the medical procedures, the staff is one thing, but the procedures themselves um, in terms of, how fast to bring somebody back, whether or not to let them continue playing when they're hurt. Players want to play like they that will never change. That is yeah. the culture of hockey. Yeah. And that is what makes these guys some of the most respectable, admirable athletes in the world, considering the physical conditions in which they play. But like right now, like the season, what is this season about? It's about development. Um, it's not about the results. And you are trying to ensure the long term future. Like I'm looking at Kirby Doc, maybe he doesn't have a broken foot from that shot that hit him from Gudis, which looked like it was taken on purpose to literally take him out. But, you know, aside from that, he's missing practice in between games because it's probably pretty hard to put a skate on. If he doesn't have a, a broken foot, he's got a deep bruise. Yeah. Is it going to get that much worse if he plays games? Not necessarily. Does he need to play them and then subject himself to that type of pain in order to do them? Like, heal up. 
Eric, no, if what? I was the athletic therapist or one of the medical doctors for the Montreal Canadiens in a rebuild year, in a draft that features Connor Bedard to go number one overall, I would be very consistent. I'm going to tell you now with my evaluations of everyone. Everyone out for the year. Foot yeah. out for the year. Arm out for the year. Well, Shoulder listen. out from the year. Bring up people from Twadivyad, Laval, Twadivyad, even uh, what is it, the force. Bring, bring up people from the force. Everybody. You, you would agree, though, that like the culture they are trying to build here is important. It is not okay to let it be pervasive within the locker room that it's okay to lose and that it's not okay to give it your like you have to give it your all and that means pushing through the pain to play a lot of the times and I don't think that's any different in a season that doesn't matter as much or one that you're chasing the Stanley Cup but it has to be within reason it has to be logical I don't think it's logical to, to go down that road with a kid like Cole who is so fundamental yeah, the future here. Like, no, I know they don't. They don't want to lose, Eric. I know that. No. I also know that if we fast forward and we get to the twenty twenty three draft and the Canadians get the eighth pick, they're going to be disappointed they didn't get the first, and they're going to wish that they were the team that got the first pick. I we'll have a see. feeling about that as well. Okay, now uh, I, I want to talk. If Mitchkov slips to eight, yeah, well, yeah, yeah, I would draft him. I know there's reports out there that uh, even if Mitchkov is available at tenth or whatever, the Canadians aren't taking him, but. Uh, I don't have any inside information on this you one. You have two picks here. But I'm I'm going to say that if Michkov slides to 10th, that the Montreal Canadiens will definitely pick him. That's just what my head tells me. Okay, now, um, I know you got a busy night. I'll keep you till about 10.30 if you don't mind. Sure. Uh, I We have to talk about Samuel Montembeau. Uh, I mean, I don't know how much longer this can go. It's looking like a beautiful story right now, one that we'd like to see become even more beautiful uh, a goalie who's on waivers and he's in his mid twenties. And the first time we see him in Montreal, he doesn't look like an NHL goalie. He looks like an AHL goalie. And then maybe he looks like an AHL number one. And then maybe he looks like an NHL number three. And then maybe he looks like an NHL two B. And then maybe he looks like a two A. And now we're starting to wonder because he's been playing like a one for the last several games. If Samuel Montembeau can be, the Montreal Canadiens' number one goalie of the future. And it's a stretch. But, man, let's give credit where credit is due. I'm seeing shades of Steve Penny here. I mean, you just want to see it keep going. You just want to see it keep going. Like, I, I know there's a lot of people within the province that want to see Samuel Montembeau immediately anointed the number one goaltender of the Montreal Canadiens. As soon as Jake Allen is healthy, he's relegated to the backup seat and, like, let's make the change and just roll with it. Like, just slow down. What's what's the rush here? Build this up. Be progressive with it. Let Montembeau continue to work through his game to bring it to the level where people will be able to say that and have a leg to stand on in that conversation. And I'm not taking anything away from what he's done because what he's proven is, A, you can improve, especially even at his age, you can improve, and that's kind of how development goes for a goaltender. B, um, there's only more motivation for him to keep improving. It's not like he should stop right here and this is it. And now he's entering his prime and he's there. Like there are more multiple steps for him to continue taking to establish himself as a potential number one goalie in the league. What I would say is that when Allen is healthy and he comes back, considering the injury history of Allen over the last couple of years, the two groin injuries that he had last year, the upper body injury he's dealing with right now, Create a healthy competition between both guys. Make it a 50-50 proposition for now. 
And if uh, it starts to sway two to one in Montembeau's favor, he'll have earned it. It won't just be because somebody's missing from the net and he's earned it. Like he deserves it. Like let him earn it because earning it is going to bring him to an even better level than what you're yeah. seeing from him right now. So I, we I don't, agree that Montembeau has been better than Allen though so far this season. I mean, there were points this season where Allen was excellent uh, on the, on the whole, I think, you know, he's caught, he's, he's going through a stretch. I would say that the stretch that he's in right now and a few games that he played at the beginning of the season have taken him to a, another level. And, 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 that has been a more impressive stretch than any stretch we've seen from Allen this season. But like, again, like everybody's got to slow down, just, just slow down here. And it's the same, same people who said that he was terrible and he's not an NHL goaltender. And uh, there's no point in wasting their time with him that are now screaming for him to be the number one goalie of the Canadians. Like just everybody take a pill and let it naturally evolve and let the competition happen and see how he handles the pressure. You said it before, like this is the city of Montreal and it's the province of Quebec, yeah. right? Okay. So no, I get it. We, 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 we like Montembeau and we're cheering for him. His story's uh, fantastic. Some want him to be number one right away and they want a statue in front of the bell center. Right. We like Raphael Avi Pinard and he worked really, really hard on Saturday night and he scored a goal going to the net and driving the net. Some want him to be on that number one line already. Like we like Anthony Richard. Uh, some want him already called back up and also to be on the number one line. And this is what I tell some of my friends uh, where I'm working right now on Francais is that, look, I'm as much of a fan of Le Godchenu as you are. However, wanting them to play all the power plays, wanting them to play all the penalty kills, wanting them to be on the number one line, wanting them to be anointed the number one defenseman, wanting them to be anointed the number one goalie and all that stuff. You're just putting too much unnecessary pressure on them for no reason. Just yeah, let them breathe huge, and let nature difference. take its course. There is a huge difference between being the de facto number one goaltender of the Montreal Canadiens and and being the number one goaltender of the Montreal Canadiens and living with that pressure on a daily basis. And I think the best test that you can give Montembeau to, to find out if he's actually capable of doing it is when Allen comes back, you put them in that 50-50 position and make him fight for the net. Uh, make him fight for the net. There's pressure in that competition, especially given what he's done right now because what he's done has been super impressive. It's a fantastic story. There is no, there is no, um, like downgrading the level of story that he's authoring. Yeah, it's, it's been awesome to watch, and yeah. he's really grown as a goaltender. Eric, in ending the Montreal Canadiens tomorrow night, host the team that has the most wins, the least losses, the most points, the most goals per game, the least goals against, and the best plus-minus differential. And they're the second hottest team in the National Hockey League right now in terms of a win streak. They've won five in a row just behind the Edmonton Orders who have won the six in a row. I'm talking about the Boston Bruins and just one word on head coach Jim Montgomery, uh, Jim Montgomery, because you'd have to think uh, at the end of the day, it's, it's, it's his work, right? I mean, they have a good team on paper. There's no doubt about it. They got a very good team on paper. But, you know, the season they're having, Jim Montgomery deserves a lot of credit. Yeah, I mean it's not it's not a secret that he's a great coach. Uh, there was a lot of teams that would have hired him had he not run into some personal trouble coming out of Dallas um, before he got to Boston and got a second chance to be an assistant coach and ends up in Boston is doing a great job. But I think the biggest factor in Boston's success is what Martin St. Louis has been talking about and 
and and what Martin San Louis values in terms of how a team becomes a dominant team and a, and a team that can win over time is familiarity, um, you know, and, and establishing culture that no matter who you plug in, like we talked about at the beginning, mm-hmm. the brand is there. I, we've seen it in Pittsburgh for a long time too. Yeah. It's on a different level now. The guys are, there's just yeah. been too many devastating injuries that have happened to key players there that have made, that that have made it that much more complicated but they can be a dangerous team and not a team that you should count out but you see what's happened in Boston like the core is the core you know you have Pasternak, Bergeron uh and and Marshawn at the top of it and guys like Krejci coming back and McAvoy has been there for a while now and Matt Grizzlick who is a homegrown prospect like you just when you have Charlie that Coyle and Taylor Hall are playing on a third line, it's unbelievable. Yeah, and when you have that core, and when you have that foundation, when you have that identity that is so obvious, like like Marty said today, you know, you have you have five guys on the ice, and they all have their own brain, but it looks like they're plugged into the same system, like that the, their brains are all working in unison, and that's yeah. To see that throughout the lineup is to know what's driving the success there. Do you need a good coach that doesn't get in the way of that? Yes. And that, that, that is just as delicate of a balance, I think, as putting your fingerprints all over it as a coach. If you see what's going on and you know, the room runs itself yeah. and you start intervening with that, you could really screw up what's going on in there. So yeah, like I, I, I see, I kind of love Marty's philosophy on this. Like it's, a, it's an insight into how he's running the Canadians like he's not in the room interfering. He wants the culture to develop on its own within yeah. the room itself. And you look at the Habs and like the most the most um, exciting development for their team is that Jack Guy, Gooley, Kovacevic, Harris, Suzuki, Caulfield, Slavkovsky, like they're all in it together this year. They're all here in Montreal together. And they are all parts of this future, I believe, you know, like in mm-hmm. Montumbo too, what he's proving is that he wants to be a part of it. And so that familiarity moving forward is what's going to enable a power play to become better. It's what's going to enable yeah. the team to become better on the whole. And like when I look at Boston and I look at Tampa and I look at Pittsburgh, you know, that's what's driven success in those markets. And I, I Marty keeps coming back to that. And I, I tend to agree with him. And you're right. You're right about Jim Montgomery. But I think one of the biggest things about Jim Montgomery is he hasn't interfered with what's actually the foundation there. Eric, good talking with you. We're a contributor every Monday. We'll talk to you again one week from today. Enjoy the hockey game tomorrow, bud. Always love joining you, Tony. All Take right. Care. Thanks, man. All right. There you have it. Eric Engel, Sportsnet and Sportsnet.ca. Marinero with a shout out to Playground. They have over 600 machines, poker tournaments and Playground casino games, daily promotions, unmatched customer service. Why go anywhere else? They're located just over the Mercier Bridge, only minutes from downtown Montreal. They are playground. All right, okay, we're going to get to some of your questions, and they're coming in. And uh, by the way, if you're going to be listening on Google, Apple, or Spotify going forward, um, we're uh, we're not on iHeartRadio anymore, by the way. Uh, we were uh, we were bumped off of iHeartRadio. Um that's uh, I never really told you that story. Eh? I never told you that story, but we were bumped off of Ice High Heart Radio. Um, somebody asked me, and I'll tell you why. Uh, but anyway, uh, you can listen to us. I don't even know why I gave them a plug. But anyway, you can uh, you can message us on Google, Apple, Spotify if you're watching, and um, 
And if you can, leave us a five-star review. That goes a long way. I know we got a couple of good reviews today. I was really happy with them. So thank you very much for that. All right. Okay. And somebody's asking me why. Well, I um, all I know was that, uh, you know, um, <laughs> uh, yeah. I uh, if you take a look at the YouTube chat, I think uh, I think you can uh, you can uh, find out why I was uh, we were on it, and um, you know, uh, I uh, I decided to move on professionally, and uh, some nice things were said. And uh, the day after that, boom, we got an email that we were bumped off the iHeartRadio network. Uh, but you know what? We are very, very happy to be on Google and Apple and Spotify and uh, and all that stuff. Yeah. So anyway, I think some of you figured it out. Um, also tried calling a couple of uh, uh, couple of friends in the business and uh, we're told that, uh, no, we can't join you. Uh, okay, no problem. So we decided to move on. Uh, this is the way it is sometimes. Okay. Uh, we're going to get to some of your questions. Let's bring them up. Sammy and Yellow back in master control. You think Barron stays with the big club? I don't know if they continue to have injuries. Yes, but he's playing really, really good right now. And by the way, I've, uh, you know what? Every now and then I like the 11-7 format and I like it this year with the Montreal Canadiens because when you do 11-7 and uh, you have 11 forwards, you know what you can do, right? You can double shift your best players and in this case if you don't have any best players or or you're you're down a couple what you can do is you can double shift players that you want to showcase before the trade deadline you can do that as well other questions coming in uh this one here coming in from carlos why did the flames trade johnny godro they didn't trade him he walked away as an unrestricted free agent uh, he rather joining Columbus than continuing to play in Calgary and or for Daryl Sutter. Mind you, he was coming off of, I think, the best season of his career. Uh, speaking of smaller players get shut down in the playoffs by large, fast power forwards and defenseman Cole Caulfield got shut down by Tampa Bay during the cup run trade Caulfield. Now, OK, hold on a second, Carlos. Hold on a second. No, no. Put that back. Put that back. Carlos. Cole Caulfield, when he got shut down by Tampa Bay during the playoff run, that was two years ago, right? Cole Caulfield, that was his rookie season. Cole Caulfield in 2020 was 19 years old, a rookie, and had played 10 NHL games. He went up against the best team in the National Hockey League that had won the Cup two years in a row, who had the best goaltender in hockey and had the best defenseman in hockey and had the, the best top six in all of hockey and an incredible top three on defense. Like, you're going to have to use another example, but if you want to use examples with me that support your case, that small players get shut down in the playoffs, yeah, so as many as you're going to give me, I'm going to give you a bunch of small players that were not shut down in the playoffs. Theo Fleury did not get shut down in the playoffs. Marty St. Louis did not get shut down in the playoffs. 
So, so anyway, there you go. Um, a lot of people are saying it's a troll question, by the way. And because of it, they want Carlos blocked. I'm not going to block Carlos for that. I don't agree with this point. Uh, you can troll, but a little bit. If you start trolling a lot, then at that point, I think we're going to take care of business, right? So Caulfield equals one-dimensional player, overrated. He can only shoot. He's useless defensively and can't win his one-on-one -on -one battles. You'll never win a cup with Caulfield. Now trade a peak value. Okay, so now this is a stupid comment, okay, because I heard this comment also about Connor Bedard, right? He's a one-dimensional player. All he can do is score. The name of the game is scoring goals. If you can't do all the other things but you can score goals, I'm going to take you every day of the week on my team and twice on Sundays. This is a stupid comment. He was able to troll before. Now he's starting to get me upset. And Yellow and Sammy at master control. I'm firm, but I'm fair. Can, can, can I? Agnello's the voice of... Can I talk to Agnello and Sammy, please, who are the voice of reason on the SICK podcast? I want to talk to them right now. I want to talk to them right now. A sip of water. Let's see if they're going to come up here. Agnello and Sammy. I don't know. What's going on, Tony? Hey, how are you? Good, you? You and I, we haven't talked at all today on the phone, have we, or what? Oh, man, it's been great. <laughs> What's going on? What's going on? Who do you want to block now? I got the, I got a funny feeling you're going to tell me that you want to block somebody. What? Okay, so Carlos just sent out a question about Cole Caulfield. Sammy, how are you? Yeah, you got you to gotta block Carlos. Hold on a second. I'm talking to Sammy. Don't try and steal Sammy's thunder, okay? Sammy, how are you? Yeah, yeah. Very good. I love you, buddy. Love you. Any progress on selling this company for 100 million and me getting 50? Not yet. Not yet. Not yet. You think it's we're close or what? Yeah. Okay, I'll keep doing it. All right. Uh, back to Agnello. Yep. Agnello. Yep. So Carlos just sent out another comment now on YouTube Live. And by the way, for those who are watching and they don't have YouTube Live, they have Facebook Live or Twitter Live, please subscribe to our YouTube channel. Now you're probably wondering, you're probably wondering, well, Tony, if I'm following you on Facebook Live or on Twitter Live, why would I follow you on YouTube Live, right? You're probably wondering, should I tell them? Because wh why lie to them, no? You don't have to lie. I don't have to lie, right? We never lie. We never lie. That, that's it. The more subscribers we have on, on YouTube, uh, the more money we make. The better the show gets. That The better the show gets, but also the more money we make, right? I guess, yeah. Well, because the way it works, we can we can make people privy to the information, right? I mean, they're we have to be they're they're like they're, they're family to us. The, the sick army that is watching the sick community, they're like family. So what happens is you'll notice that when you watch some videos on YouTube, when you go back and watch them before you actually watch them, there's a couple of ads that come up, right? Which last a couple of seconds each. Well, those companies actually pay YouTube for the advertising. And if you're a podcast that has a lot of subscribers and gets a lot of views like the sick podcast, well, at that point, the advertisers pay YouTube and YouTube sends the sick podcast a check, right? Yep. So Sammy gets the check and I get 1% and he gets 99. And that's why he's, that's why he's Sammy. And Yahoo finances top <laughs> 15 entrepreneurs under the age of 20 ranked at number four a couple of years ago in Yahoo Finance. Okay, and Yellow, all kidding aside, and we're having fun here. And thanks for doing this, by the way, because I know you get camera shy every now and then. I don't think you should personally. I think you're great behind the mic. Thank really, you. I do. Thank you. Okay. Carlos says you got to trade Cole Caulfield 
that small players do their thing in the regular season. They don't do their thing in the playoffs. In the playoffs, they get eaten alive by bigger players. A, do you agree? And B, if you disagree, do you think he's trolling now because it's three comments one after another? Oh, he says. And our community uh, thinks he's trolling. Well, yeah, because now he's saying some stupid things about Bedard and swearing and that. I think we have no choice but to block him. He's swearing? Yeah, he's swearing about Bedard, his weight or something. I don't know what he's saying. My God, if he's got a problem with Bedard's weight, imagine the problem he has with mine. <laughs> <laughs> Agnello? Yeah. Get well, rid of him. Yeah, we're getting rid of him. I mean, we want this to be an inclusive Sikh army, but at the same time, with all do- it has to be respectful, right? Yeah, he's blocked. He's done. Uh, he's, he's, uh, he's gone. Yeah, your wish is our command. Yep. He's, he's already done. Hold on a second. Okay. He's already gone on YouTube Live. I'm looking at the chat right now. Can we give a round of applause to Agnello and Sammy? What do we comment sick? S I C K. He's gone. Comment sick if you like that he's gone. <laughs> I'm getting some happy faces here, some emojis. S I C K. I want to see it. <laughs> Here's one from Steve Lunny. Here's another. From Rems Bergeron. Here's another one from Louis Tremblay. Here's another one from Jonathan DiGennaro. Kelly said, I can't, can't keep on, keep on going, keep on going. Sick, S-I-C-K, 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 S-I-C-K. Here we go. Oh, my God, we're going nuts. Oh, my God. Listen, we're going to break a record with the amount of six that we're getting. Sick, S-I-C-K, S-I-C-K. He's been blocked. He's gone. Gonzo. Now, if he tries to come back with another game, another name, is he still gone or what? Well, if he comes back on name, does the same stupid thing, then he'll be gone again. He's gone again. Sick again. S-I-C-K, S-I-C-K. Listen to me. If we get about two, three hundred six, do we get anything or what? Is it, uh, oh, yeah. It makes the algorithm a lot better. It changes the algorithm and you get more views. Don't give away our secrets. secrets. I know. I shouldn't have done that. Why did you do that? You just <laughs> gave it to those who are sleeping. I know, but they don't have the followers you have, so it's okay. Yeah, that's true, too. That's the one true guy too. wants you to sing La Felicita there. You see it? Yeah, yeah. I saw that. I saw that. They don't have the followers, eh? No. No. They don't have the army like you do. Look, yeah. it doesn't stop. Look, it's sick, sick. Look. Yeah. It hasn't stopped. By the way, if if you're going to do it from a vehicle, don't put oh. notes on a piece of paper and put the paper on the back. Oh, look, look at the beaver queen. Keep on looking queen. over every two minutes. I mean, you hey, know. look at the beaver queen. She put 56. Eh? 56. She put, look, the beaver queen. Look how many she put. Oh, my God. That's unbelievable. I mean, if if you're gonna if you're gonna write notes on a piece of paper, I mean, <laughs> tape it to the windshield so that you're always looking straight. Up. <laughs> I don't know who you're talking about. So, Sammy, do you? No, we don't know what you're talking about. Oh my god! Okay. Oh my god! Comments? How many I've seen? Oh my god! My mommy. Want to get to some comments? Yeah, let's get okay, to some comments, go. please. Bail me out of here. My God. All right. Okay. Where are we going exactly? Here we go. Uh, who is the best GM of the Habs, Tony? And where uh, is Kent Hughes compared to that GM? Uh, the best GM in Montreal Canadiens history, I would imagine, would be Sam Pollock. And uh, unless Kent Hughes wins a couple of Stanley Cups, uh, as tough as it is now and with as much parity as it is, uh, you know, he's he's not going to be able to be in that discussion, of course. So you're going to need to win Cups. And looks. Part of Montreal's very famous history. You're going to need to win cups to be in that discussion. And uh, But i got to tell you something, and I, I, I've said this before, and I haven't agreed with everything they've done, uh, but I haven't disagreed with a lot either. This double-headed monster of Gorton and Hughes, 
uh, I have a lot of confidence, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. I have a lot of confidence in these gentlemen. I like them a lot. I'd wish they'd call me like once uh, or text me once, but uh, or take me to lunch or supper. But uh, all that notwithstanding, I really like them a lot. I have a lot of confidence in them, and I've told you that um, I made a pretty big prediction. Uh, I think it's a pretty big prediction, considering the Canadians haven't won the Cup since 1993, uh, that you know, my prediction is that this management team will win the Stanley Cup. I don't know how long it's going to take, but I believe they are going to do it. I really believe they're going to do it. Um, and one of the things I love about them, and I think they have this – is, you know, they have a plan. They're not going to deviate from the plan. Sometimes in hockey, you might think you've turned the corner, but you actually just got hot. You didn't really turn the corner. You just got hot. And then all of a sudden, you start changing your mind, and you're saying, oh, my God, you know what? We, we might be better than we think, and you know what? We have to accelerate the plan. They're not going to deviate. They're not going to deviate at all. But one of the things that's very important here, folks, I don't know if a lot of people understand just how important this Cole Caulfield contract is. I know a lot of people don't want the Montreal Canadiens. Like, everyone wants Caulfield to be here for the long term. I mean, with the exception of Carlos, who got blocked there, everyone wants Caulfield to be a Montreal Canadian long term, right? But if Caulfield's going to be a Montreal Canadian long term, the Montreal Canadiens might have to give him a number that might be not a number. It might be a number that you wouldn't want to give him. But they might have no other choice, and I'm going to tell you why. Let's say they give Cole Caulfield a four- or five-year deal, okay? At the end of that deal, he's an unrestricted free agent, and I wouldn't want to take that chance. I don't think the Toronto Maple Leafs are comfortable with Austin Matthews going into his final year next year, all right? So at that point, you can give him a three-year deal, and then he's a restricted free agent, and then he can sign a one-year deal if he wants after that or a two-year deal and he can try and break the bank with that one year or those two years, okay? But if Caulfield doesn't sign long-term, if he doesn't sign the eight years or he doesn't sign the seven years, so Suzuki's got seven years left on him, if he doesn't sign the long-term contract, that big one, let's just say he signs a short-term, that impacts the entire plan, right? Think about it. It impacts the entire plan. Then all of a sudden, they have to accelerate this plan as much as they can because they might think that Caulfield might be gone in four years. So you, if to get away from this and to stick to your plan, you're the Canadians, you have to sign them long-term. But if you're Pat Brisson, you're not signing long-term unless you get a number that you're very, very comfortable with. And we're hearing that he refused an eight-year deal at $7 million. So at that point, what's going to happen here? He's going to want uh, eight times eight. Maybe he's going to want eight times eight and a half. Maybe he's going to want to have eight times nine. And maybe he's going to want eight times nine and a half. And you might not want to give it to him. But if you give him a four-year deal, well, then he's gone. And if you don't win the Stanley Cup by year four, chances are with him gone and you lose him maybe for nothing, which they wouldn't do anyway. I mean, they would try and get something for him, but it could really, this can, the future of the organization, the rebuild and all that stuff, this is such a huge contract for Kent Hughes and the Montreal Canadiens. It's huge. It's really, really huge. Like my body type. 
matrixhomefitness.ca is going to be able to help me with that because I've brought it home. I've discovered a club quality workout. The workouts are no problem, by the way. Uh, eating the fried food and desserts every day and, and taking in about 5,000 calories, that's a little bit of a problem because no matter how much I work out, uh, if my calorie intake exceeds what I'm able to burn, uh, then it's going to put things on hold a little bit. But anyway, in the comfort of your own home, visit matrixhomefitness.ca. I love my matrix. I love my treadmill. I love my roar. And uh, maybe just one day the bike and the elliptical. I know Anello has the elliptical, and I know that he loves it. Hey, uh, I want to talk about Josh Anderson. Why? Because it was about, what was it? It was uh, several days ago that George Larac joined me on the program. I believe it was on Thursday. And we both called out Josh Anderson, both of us. Why? Because the Canadians had played the Florida Panthers. Um, They lost by a score of, what was it, 6-2, to I believe. And uh, there were three fights in that hockey game. Uh, Matheson fought. Arbor Jackye fought. And uh, Michael Pizzetta fought. And Ratko Gudas was labeling Kirby Doc. Tried to take out his knee. I think he tried to do the same thing to Jordan Harris. And then, you know, on the show, George Larac was saying that um, was saying that um, Josh Anderson had said a couple of weeks ago that the league became soft. And he was kind of trying to explain why he was not as physical as he has been in the past because it's kind of the way the league became. And George was saying that if he was, you know, if he was in that locker room at the end of the game, he would have said, Josh, remember a couple of weeks ago when you said that the league became soft? Well, um, do you, you know, take us through this physical game that was that had four, five, three fights in it, and uh, it looked like it was a game that was tailor made for you, but you were rather silent in a game where others were awakened in a game that wasn't soft, and so he wasn't happy with him, and I wasn't happy with Josh Anderson too, and I said something to the effect of, "This is what I don't like about the National Hockey League. Some of these long term contracts." Uh, all contracts are guaranteed. Unlike the National Football League, when they're not, uh, you have a certain amount of money that is guaranteed, and other than that, it's not. And I thought that Josh Anderson was kind of like sitting on his contract, played one in every four. And uh, I said he'll amp it up when there's two years left on his deal or a year and a half because then he'll be looking for another deal. And to Anderson's credit, uh, and once again, I was in 124, about 12 rows up. On Saturday, I had right behind the Toronto Maple Leafs bench. I had great seats. And, uh, and uh, you know, Anderson played a hell of a game on Saturday. And that's where it becomes frustrating, right? Because you watch the way he played on Saturday, and you're like, even if he didn't play like this every game, but Josh Anderson played like this even every other game. My God, for 41 games a year, you would have yourself a top six, seven power forward in the game. Like he was just, he was a force to be reckoned with. Like they just, they couldn't contain him. He had this, he was just the hungriest player on the night. Josh Anderson was amazing on Saturday night. Even though he wasn't the first star, I think it was the third star of the game. And Raphael RV Pernard was the second. Uh, and Montembeau was the third. And by the way, I love Raphael R.B. Bernard, and I'm very, very happy that he scored his first goal at the Bell Center, his second goal of his NHL career. The first one came in Tampa, and this one here came at the Bell Center. But I, I thought that Josh Anderson was was 
better than him on Saturday night. Montembeau was amazing. I don't have a problem with that, but um, but anyway, they're all good. I thought Josh Anderson was really amazing on Saturday night. So, you know, as much as I was, I called him out on Thursday, and I think rightfully so because I said what I felt, um, you know, for one night or even two nights, he was, Josh Anderson was really good. And, um, you know, I want to have the type of podcast and I want to be the type of host that when I'm not impressed by someone or their performance, I'm going to say it. And when I am, I'm going to say it. I think it's what you call fair journalism. And I don't want to be the, one of those that just harps on somebody all the time, even when he's been good. Uh, Josh Anderson has scored several games now. And Josh Anderson was really, really good on Saturday. As a matter of fact, I thought he was fantastic. So, Josh, as much as I called you out last week on Thursday, uh, I thought you were absolutely fantastic on Saturday night. thought you were really, really good, but. Keep it up because that was uh, quite the performance. Okay. Um, Arbor Jackai. Good too. What a great story. We know that. Jackai was good. Montembeau was amazing. RV Pinard was good. Belzil gives you an honest effort. Hoffman shot the puck really hard at one point. It's a good game. It was a real good game on Saturday. I can't wait to watch the uh, the Bruins tomorrow night. I mean, you know, the only worry I have is that the Bruins are going to win the Stanley Cup this year. And I hope, please, I hope that can't happen, right? They already won one in 2011. And if you're a Bruins fan living in Montreal, that's fantastic. If you're a Bruins fan anywhere in the world, that's fantastic. But if you're a Montreal Canadiens fan or a Montrealer who just doesn't cheer for the Bruins, I mean, it's hard to watch the Bruins win. They could have won three cups, mind you. They went to three finals. They won one. They lost two, uh, one of which in game seven at home versus the St. Louis Blues, and the other one uh, in six games versus the Chicago Blackhawks. But uh, this year, they're unbelievable. And Jim Montgomery, uh, I think Jim is from, I could be I could be mistaken, I believe he's from the point. I believe he's from Point St. Charles, and if I'm wrong, he's from somewhere else, uh, then I apologize. Uh, what a job by you, my friend. What a job by you. Real beautiful story, eh? Once again, there were some personal issues um, with Dallas when he was with Dallas, and uh, he was able to rehabilitate himself and bounce back. And uh, you know what? The Boston Bruins gave him a second chance, and good for the Bruins for giving him a second And he clearly has not let them down. I mean, what an amazing coach. Amazing, amazing, amazing. Speaking of amazing, you know what's amazing? You, the sick army. And uh, you that follow us, you that tune in Monday to Friday, 10 p.m. without fail. And because you're so amazing, we've actually announced a Sick Army t-shirt. And I don't know. Oh, look at that. I was just going to say, if Agnello can bring it up, I enrolled in the Sick Army. Oh, that's a that's really good. And you can, you can purchase this shirt on sickattire.com. And Yellow and Sammy, this is great work, but if I was you, bring up the shirt again. The The next graphic I do, I, I would edit this graphic, and I would put www.sickattire.com so people know where they can purchase the shirt. You know what I mean? Make the shirt finish, you know, three-quarters of the way in length, and then remove that black in the final quarter, and then just write it there where you can buy the shirt. Sickattire.com. 
Now, by the way, can we bring in Yellow back for a second, even though he's probably going to get mad now because I'm calling him a second time? What's up? Can you send me that shirt, please? Yep, definitely. Just don't tell anybody my size, okay? I think they can all imagine that it's uh, it's bigger than large. No, it's not bigger than large. Yes, it is. And very unfortunately, it's even bigger than XL. <laughs> sure. uh, all right. Okay. A Boston Bruins tomorrow night. Yep. I know you're a big football fan. Uh, so before I ask you, uh, I'll ask you for a score. Canadians and the Bruins tomorrow. Who wins and how much? I don't know. I got a funny feeling the Canadians are going to upset again. No, they're not. Yes, they are. No, they're going to lose tomorrow. Four three Habs. Four three Habs? Yeah. Um, I spoke to Jim Montgomery tonight, by the way. Oh, really? Yeah, me and Sammy spoke to him tonight. Oh, really? Yeah. So he's, he's coming on the podcast, guaranteed. Don't know when, but he's definitely coming on. Why didn't he come on tonight? Well, because he was out. I don't think I don't think I don't think he likes coming on before a game. Oh, maybe that could that could be the case. Yeah, I don't know. I can, I can understand that. All right, okay. I'm happy to hear that. No, the Boston Bruins are going to win tomorrow night, and uh, I'm going to tell you right now. You ready? Oh yeah, I'm not. I don't want to hear it. The Bengals are going to win the Super Bowl. Very possible. Well, very. Po- I hope so. It's very possible. There's four no, teams. No, no, I'm saying, this, this, I don't need you to tell me it's very possible. I need you to give me a pick. No, what, what, do you I, have? what I mean by that is that this guy Burrow is unbelievable. So I saw a tweet tonight that was interesting uh, earlier today that was interesting. It was Joe Burrow is the number blank quarterback in the NFL. And so this is what I wrote as an answer. You ready? Yep. I wrote top three on anyone's list. Currently number two on my list. And if he wins the Super Bowl on February 12th, he moves up to number one. I think he's the smartest quarterback in the league right now. I really do. You my know what? Is, he's, he's a, different things. He's, a, he's, a, he's in that conversation for sure. For sure. He is very, very cerebral. You know, I'm not going to compare him to Brady because Brady's got seven Super Bowls. And even though you want to play a comparison game sometime and you don't want to take into account the Super Bowl. People are going to say, how do you compare him to the GOAT, the greatest of all time, this and that? But uh, he he is very cerebral. You're yes. right. So your co-host, Matt O'Hain, he's a huge Cincinnati Bengals fan. Yes. Huge. Yeah. yeah. And you know what? He came close last year, and I really felt bad for Matt when they lost. Remember that? We yeah. felt terrible yeah. for him. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So I hope they win for him. And... Uh, I be- I know Gallagher's a Bengals fan, so and I believe so I heard Suzuki, Suzuki is too. Suzuki also. Ah, so you know what? For I'm that, picking, my- I'm picking the 49ers to win the Super Bowl. You're picking the 49ers to win the Super Bowl? Yeah. Okay, I'm gonna go with the Bengals. We'll see. Are we gonna put a dollar on that, you and I, or what, what's what's the bet? Why don't we do? We have to start having a little bit more fun on the show. So what's the bet? You take 49ers. Yeah. I take Bengals. Uh- uh, if Sammy would have another team, that would be who does Sammy think he's is going to win? The Chiefs. He's taking the Chiefs to win the Super Bowl. Yeah. Okay. And do we have anyone? No. Juliana's taking the Eagles. There you go. Juliana's taking the Eagles. Fantastic. Okay. Juliana's and Yellow's daughter. I don't know if anyone's seen her before, but that's that's the, the whole Cavalaros. This is a big production here. Very very big. This is not uh, uh, college radio here. This is a huge production. All right. So, uh, so I think the winner. Yeah. Should pay supper for everyone. The winner should pay supper for everyone. Yeah. If I win, I'm going to take you to La Cash. Okay. The winner. Sh- okay. <laughs> so uh, you have 49ers, 49ers. KC. Sammy has KC. Juliana yeah. has the Eagles. Philadelphia Eagles. 
and I have the Montreal Alouettes. Yes, All right. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not big. I paid supper three, no, two days in a row. <laughs> two days in a row. I'm not paying supper again. All right. Hey, listen, tomorrow night, same time, same place. We're going to do this again. Yep. I always go out by myself. You, I've never gone out with you and Sammy. And you know what? I want to go out with you and Sammy because Let's you guys, same time. Let's go. you guys are my guys. You guys are my bud. Hey, tell everyone where they can watch it. Facebook live, YouTube live, Twitter live, comment sick, S-I-C-K, especially if you're happy that we blocked Carlos. If you love the, pack, uh, the, the podcast, hit the like button. And if you go on Google, Apple, or Spotify, you can leave us a five-star review. And um, that's it. We'll be back tomorrow, same time, same place, right after the Canadians and the Bruins at 10 p.m. Eastern. Sammy, put the microphone next to Sammy. Sammy, yeah. when I go out, I say, I'm, you say it. I'm Marinero. I'm Marinero. Now, Sammy, see you all tomorrow. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the Sick Podcast with Tony Marinero on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. The Sick Podcast is brought to you by Energy Transportation Group. Driven to be different. 8.6. Intense by nature. And La Cage. If the last time you went to La Cage was when the Habs won the cup, it's time you went back to La Cage. The menu will surprise you. 